Hey, we're really excited about this morning. We've got a uh, really special moment planned that I've been excited about for a few weeks now. Um, the lovely Mitri family have joined us on stage. I, um, I hope that as you lean in this morning, whilst it might not be your typical preach kind of message or teaching, I think we can learn sometimes the most from hearing someone's story and journey and then applying that same faith to our own lives. So will you join us this morning as we go through that? The series is called Trapped, and I've joked with these guys throughout the week that um, we should title this message Trapped in a Marriage with a Doctor. Because I, I don't know what it's like for you, Larray, um, but I spoke to Martina during the week, and um, life living with a doctor is different. Is that right, Martina? Is your mic on? Let's test them out. Pass that one to me. What do we got? Number two was not on. I'm sorry. Oh, it's pretty low on battery. Would you be able to grab us some batteries, Jehu? You grab that mic. Is that one on? Yeah. Hand it to your wife, Dr. Mitri. It's very hard. Yeah. Why is that? Um, even if you are very, very sick, it's all right. You would be all right. <laughs> I've seen this all before. Yeah. Yeah, we've been hassling. Thank you. We've been hassling Eamon about this all week. He didn't want to be exposed. Um, Eamon's got lots of great qualities. He's a doctor. He's not a cook. Is that right? Not a cook. What's his number one dish that he does cook? Omelette. Omelette. <laughs> Omelette. We went and shared dinner with Eamon and Martina at their home and uh, Martina had cooked all day. If I, can, if I can give you a clue, if you're wanting to go somewhere for dinner, make friends with these guys. It's amazing, amazing food. But you probably have picked up on an accent. Um, uh, Eamon and Martina are from Egypt. Would you tell us a bit about, I guess, growing up in Egypt, Eamon, what that was like for you? I think um, it's the same like growing up in Australia, except you can uh, go for shopping after five o'clock. I think it's like, yeah, just uh, Egypt is, uh, I don't know if you know, the population is like 100 million now. Uh, uh, the city, Cairo, I think there are more than 30 million there. So it's more than the whole of Australia. The area we live, we have like, Three millions. Uh, the street we live, we have like maybe five thousand or more. Yeah. So just yeah, it's a big. So it's it's totally different from here. Um, but um, yeah, it it has its own taste. Yeah. And you were born into a Christian family. Yes. Um, what, what's it like um, having a faith in Jesus in Egypt? Um, church in Egypt is, is not just on Sundays because we go um, most of the week. There are always meetings, there are always um, stuff, always conferences, you know, because people, they usually f finish their work by 2 o'clock. So afternoon they can go to the church. So, um, so we, you go most of your time to the church. There's Sunday schools, there's a camp for, for kids. There's always something you can do in the church. So, um, and the family in Egypt, they, they like their kids to be involved in the church. 
So that's a good thing about it. So. And um, in recent years with the... Uh, I remember you were saying that back in the 1940s, maybe, uh, Egypt was this mecca of fashion and, and tourism, leading even yes. Paris in that. Yeah. Um, and then after the introduction of other religions into the nation, that things started to shift. Um, can you describe what, what kind of happened there in Egypt? I think we, during the, the 40s or early 50s, uh, we, we were like more like a, a very good country in, in, in the way of... Uh, it was a clean country. Everything was like the fashion was there and, you know, people were not concerned about other religions, you know, they were... And probably around the 70s, we start, people start to think more about religion and we got more fanatic people and they start to talk about religion. It's, there is a difference. You are not Christian, so you are different from me. And that was the, the slope, you know, like we went down really. Yeah, yeah before that we were, were very, very good, yeah. Still, still have people who are really good and they still... Um, believe in, in, in differences, but uh, not like before. Is, it, is there danger in having a faith in Jesus, Martina? Um, yes. <laughs> Especially now because most of the women in Egypt are wearing hijab. It's like a scarf on their head. Now, if you are not wearing it, this is means that you are Christian. It's only Christian and Muslims there. And Sometimes this causes us a lot of troubles when we are walking in the streets. So uh, having children, you guys have got two beautiful kids, Gemma and Justin. What was that like for you? Gemma, I think, was born in, in Australia. Yeah. Justin? He came when he was 18 months. 18 months. So did that play a factor in you guys eventually moving to Australia? The concern for the kids growing up in an environment like that? Or? It's for me or for her? <laughs> Whoever wants to answer that one. It was, it was um, my, my plan, or just I was praying for that from the start. And um, as I told you, my plan was different, like to go to Canada, and that, was, had, that has changed a lot. We're not offended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, it's for us for a better future and for the kids, I think, yeah. How does, how does living in an environment where, and sometimes I think we can forget in Australia how free we are in our religion and, and we can complain sometimes about, you know, politics and what's going on in Australia as a nation without realising that other nations, uh, you know, there's a physical threat to you um, for believing in Christ. How does that... How does that take you like how do you how do you grow your faith in an environment like that yeah i just uh, i just want to explain it's not like uh, really real persecution in, in physical threat or anything but uh, the people can tell you that you are different mm -hmm. but um, um many people they are really good and you have you have to you can make friends with them with no problems at all but uh Fanatic people, they, they always tell you that you are different and sometimes they, they can be really aggressive But it's not like real persecution or anything like that uh, So you can you still can do things and can walk in the street, you know, you might not go up, uh, get a promotion in uh, or, or um, Go in, in a higher place in your in your job because of your religion or because of your faith But uh, yeah, but still still you can you can have some 
since I'm living here. So you, you, you sought out living in Canada as a doctor and that didn't really work out. That was a five-year, four or five-year journey of um, applying for a visa. And you, at that point, were you ready to quit on moving? Like how, how did that, how did God, uh, as we've, we've talked about, affect your move from Canada to Australia? I mean, that happened almost in a miracle-like fashion. Yeah, I think it was the, the, uh, the hand of the Lord. Because what happened, we, I was, my plan was to go to Canada. I lived in Canada for a while, and I did my exams there. And, uh, but I applied for immigration, and then after five years, um, I found like there's no, there was no answer. So I called them. I said, listen, I have applied for this for five years now, and there's no answer. And the lady said, oh, you don't, you don't know what, what the, the new rules? You have to uh, reapply again. I said, what? I have to reapply again after five years? Why didn't you call me? You waited until I call you to tell me that I should apply again or should reapply again. He said, sorry, that's the, the new rules. So actually, it was, it was very hard. And then Martina, I remember, I was really, I was really like, uh, angry and upset and all these things. Then uh, I, I said, you know, I, it was my plan to leave the country. Uh, and I met somebody, it wasn't by accident, it was through the hand of God. I met him and he said, why don't you come to Australia? You, go to, you, can, you can work in Australia by the Canadian license. I said, really? I can go and see. So I applied and started to get interviews and all these things, and that's how it happened. So uh, it, it was like Australia was not in my mind at all. And this is a space of like four months? Was it? How, how, how long was it between applying and... and from, from that man told me until I found something, it was, yeah, it was three months, but it took me another 10 months to come here. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this is, for me, the most interesting part of their journey. You move from a nation of 100 million people to where in Western Australia? Katanning. Katanning. <laughs> Population? 4,000. <000. laughs> So you basically moved your street in Cairo <laughs> to a whole place in Katanning. This is a funny story and also a uh, difficult journey for you in particular, Martina. What, what was it like? What would, can you tell us about the, when you drove into Katanning? Um, it was a shock for me. Uh, before I go to Katanning, um, I was always praying and asking for God's plan for me and for my life and for my family. And after only two days, I prayed. I told God, if this is your plan for me, I can't take it anymore. I need my plan for myself. I need to go back to live a simple life with my family in my very small apartment, struggling in life, but I don't like to be here, even it's a better country. It was very hard. Um, when we moved, it was July, from a very, like a hot, dry summer in Egypt to a very cold winter in Katanning. Um, I used to have a couch next to the window. Uh, I used to sit on it for long hours and cry and asking God why I'm here. I don't belong to this place. I can't understand people. People can't understand me. I don't know anyone why I'm here. Yeah, it was a very hard time. How did God hold you through that moment? How did you 
get through? How did you persevere? I used to pray. I told God, if this is your plan, show me how to go through it. Because it was very hard. Did you have a similar experience, Eamon? Um, I have been to different countries before, but not like Katanning, of course. It's just, <laughs> just completely different. It's, just, it's completely <laughs> I mean, I love Katanning. If anybody from Katanning, I love Katanning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was like, yeah, it was like, yeah. Because uh, other countries, they're they are, they are quiet and all these things. But uh, even in Canada, in the winter, there are still people in the street. Here, you, you go on Sunday, you feel like uh, the, the rapture has come and there's nobody there. <laughs> and you feel like there's, no, there's nobody around. And you feel, oh, it's very, very depressive, very uh, unusual yeah. for somebody who comes from like 100 million country, you know, like, like as a population. So it was hard. It was hard for me to see Martina like suffering in the beginning. Uh, but I think by the grace of God, we went through this. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult yeah. in the beginning. How did you support Martina in that time? Yeah, trying to yeah, <laughs> say, okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, this it's is just, normal. Yeah, it's normal. It's just, <laughs> the typical just a doctor. time. It's just a time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's actually a funny story about Woolies, isn't there? <laughs> in the first few days that you guys arrived, um, and yeah. Australian slang. Yeah, it's just you Australians, you just, you like, um, I'm Australian now, but you, you like to, you like, you, uh, people sometimes can be very lazy, they don't finish the whole word. So they, they cut the word to, and first day or second day, we were trying to find something to eat. And because it was the weekend, uh, we went to like one of uh, grocery stores and it was very expensive. So we, I, I was, and Cassie, I, I should find something like Walmart or something or something to like a big store. Yeah. So I asked them but if, if I can like a big store to buy food from. I said, yeah, you mean Wally's? Yeah, yeah, it's there. And tried to find the word Wally's. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I said, oh, these, pe these people like, yeah, why didn't they tell us what's the, the, where is it exactly? So I went to another man and he was, there was no difference. He said, oh, Wally's, yeah, it's on the other side. So it was so hard to find out what Wally's mean and we realized the meaning of it like probably a couple of months later. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it was very hard for, you know, just, yeah, I don't know why people cut the word, you know, they, 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 are, <laughs> they don't want to finish the, <laughs> it was hard for us. <laughs> yeah, and, and your, uh, part of your visa meant you had to work in Katanning for, how long was it that you actually had to work there? It has to be, uh, uh, for, uh, I worked there for four years, but uh, I could have moved after two years or so, yeah. But you chose but to But I stay. have to be in, in, in area of need. Not, it, has, it doesn't have to be a remote area, but like area of need, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you chose to stay in Katanning after quite a rough start. Yeah. Um, and I loved what you said about um, people had come in and out of Katanning and they, they chew through doctors almost that are, are making their way into the country or getting their experience before they move into suburbia. But you chose to stay because you wanted them to have consistency. Is that yes. how you sort of went through that? I, I, I wanted to stay until I finished my, the whole fellowship and everything, and, and, and it, uh, just to finish everything, to be ready to move to another place. And um, I think we were trying to find a good spot. Yeah. And from the first time we were in Mandra, we loved it. Wow. 
we, we, yeah, so that's, that's when we got like a place, said, oh, that's, that's it. That's it. So you, you come to Mandra, by this time Gemma is already born, was she born in Katanning? Yes. Yeah? No. No? In, we don't have a maternity ward in Katanning. Yeah, I classic Katanning. Yeah, to North Perth, and I had Gemma as a C-section. And then we traveled for four and a half hours back to Katanning. Back to Katanning. Three, three days later. Mm -hmm. Three days, yeah. Yeah, three yeah. days later. Yeah. So it must have been a lonely time for the both of you being in a new nation, no friends. How did you make the connection, I guess, with the people in Katanning? Martina? Um, it was very hard in the beginning because I was asking God for my way. I was asking God to find an Arabic family someone who speaks Arabic and can be my friend and I can express myself to him or to her. But what happened that I had many friends from the church to visit me. Sometimes they knocked the door and I didn't open because I can't understand them. And I didn't like this feeling at that time. Uh, I think after six months, I decided to meet them and to go to like a group, a mom's group, and it was very nice. The ladies there helped me a lot. Um, they were very helpful to me. Even when I had Gemma, they had a roster for me, someone to check if I need anything in the morning and another one to bring the dinner. Um, God has usually a different way for us. I think she ended up make many friends there in Katanning. Yeah. Many friends, yeah. more more than more than me, of course. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I told her after all this time and all this suffering, you have made good friends. She's still in contact with them. You know, yeah. she don't want to go Katanning, but <laughs> she's still in contact with them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a testament to your guys' character and and but also your very specific prayer. Um, and I think there's a lesson to be learnt in, in our prayer lives. Sometimes we can, um, I think we journey in our prayer lives and sometimes we, we start off by maybe going, God, what are you doing? I've got no idea. Just, just help me. Help me. But then um, there's something powerful about uh, asking specifically for what you need. And, and you can hear in the way Martina speaks that she, she prays specifically into her life and ask specifically for things from God. And our God isn't um, so removed from us that he wouldn't answer those prayers. And that's what I love through these guys' journey is that their faith um, didn't really waver um, too much. And so how did you, I guess, what was going on with you and God throughout all of this time, through Egypt and into Katanning and then into Mandra, how do you guys, how do you guys see how your faith has, has grown, I guess? Yeah. I, think, I think we felt like um, the hand of God was on us all the time and he was leading us, even in the, in the hard times or the difficult times. Uh, but um, I think we grow up in the faith more and we, we know that even if we face more troubles or more issues, he's still in control. Yeah. So he still, he still can lead us and can show us the way. Mm -hmm. And even if we, we don't like it, but at the end of the day, he's, 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 his choice is better than us. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful faith, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
So what would you say to someone that, uh, I'll ask you both this question, what would you say to someone who feels like they're overwhelmed, feels like their world's been turned upside down? Um, I guess for you guys that looked like moving from Cairo to Katani. Um, but for, for some people here, it might be that they've lost their job or um, their family situation is so good. How do you apply that same faith to that? Um, no one grow in his comfort zone. If this is your comfort zone, you will not grow. Mm. I lost everything by coming here. I lost everything by coming here. I lost my bachelor degree. I was an engineer in my country. I'm not an engineer anymore. I lost my big family. I lost all my friends and even my, like my role at the church. I lost everything, but I learned a lot here. I'm a strong person now. I can see God because sometimes when we are in our comfort zone, we feel that everything is all right. We still have a relationship with God, but we feel that everything is all right even if we don't pray, yeah. even we don't have like this daily like life with Him. But sometimes when we struggle, we found it's like a, a strong bond between us and God. Wow. Pray, and I'm sure that. God will show you the way. Why is this happening in your life? Wow. wow. I think for people who face any kind of um, um, diversity in life or anything, any, any, any issues in life, um, because we all face, it's life. It's full of hard times. So I think the best way I, I, I say to myself, if I worry, is it going to make any difference? It's not going to make any difference. So I should stop worrying and, and look forward. People who uh, lose their jobs or who lose someone who's, uh, who, who, uh, who's very, very close to them, uh, that's very sad. And it's, it's all right to be sad. It's, it's all right to be upset. It's all right to say to God, why are you doing this? But don't lose your faith. Yeah. That's I mean. Don't lose your faith. Just keep, keep going in your faith. I ask Lord, why don't do it? Why did you do this? Why is this happening to me? But still go on your faith. Still trust Him. It's powerful, isn't it? Would you thank the two of these guys? That kind of finishes up um, this moment. I know that it was reasonably brief, but there was some powerful stuff there. And I, and I just wanted to ask whether um, you would pray over the church and over us um, as we go into the Christmas season and the new year. Is that all right? We'll stand up while the team does some stuff. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you because you always lead our way. We always lead our steps. You always have a good plan for us, even if we don't know. You always have a good time for us. Let us always trust what you are going to do for us. Let us put our faith in you all the time. And we don't forget that you are always beside us. Let the church to um, victory life. Let us do the, the, to, to talk to the community about you. To tell the people about how great you are. And so they can accept 
you as their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you thank these guys? Beautiful family. Thank you so much. Hey, I uh, prepared a scripture to finish off with and I couldn't believe that Martina had spoken about our comfort zone and how we don't grow in our comfort zone and that, and then Eamon went on to say that even if we feel completely trapped, shall we say, for the series, that we shouldn't lose our faith. And I just wanted to encourage you with this scripture from Psalm 18. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. And in Psalm 18, David talks about, in this moment when he wrote this psalm, he was being chased down by Saul and and he was likely hiding in a cave at that point, completely trapped in. And he said, He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. Now, if you know the story of David, you know that those words right there don't really seem true or don't match up with what he actually lived out in his life. But what David understood is that before God, he was blameless and was kept from sin before God. And that although he was trapped, although he had stuffed up in the past, God had brought him to a spacious place. And he spoke these words over his life. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in His sight. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. It's a powerful chapter. And I encourage you this week, if you were sitting there thinking, yeah, I feel trapped at the moment. Or I don't really know where I'm going. Maybe you identified with parts of Eamon and Martina's story. I encourage you to go to Psalm 18. To speak like David did those words over your life and your situation. Maybe there's a scripture in there. I know in there is the, he has armed me with strength for the battle. Maybe that's what you need for this next situation. Maybe it's to understand that although you feel trapped, he will take you into a spacious place. So I encourage you this week to read through that chapter. Pick out a few verses and apply those to your life. Speak and prophesy them over to your circumstances because I think it'll make a powerful shift because really Eamon and Martina weren't taken out of their situation God didn't say okay now I'll put you back in Cairo what he did was he gave them the strength to walk through that he was there with them he didn't take away all of those circumstances but what Martina was doing there was speaking faith over her circumstances I, I, I know God was with me The Lord's hand 
was on me. And don't we all want to have that same faith when we go through circumstances? And that's what I believe reading out Psalm 18 will do for us. We can get to Tuesday and something to go wrong and we can say, no, I know that God's hand is on me. Would you stand with me as we pray? We're going to go back into our last worship song. And as we always do on a Sunday morning, we'll open up the altar for anyone who needs prayer. I'm going to ask Eamon and Martina to join us in that prayer moment. If you need prayer, we would love to join with you, to speak those words over you, to declare that God's hand is on your life and to ask Him to move powerfully in that. Lord, I thank You that You speak to us through people's stories, Lord. I thank You that no matter what we are going through, we have Your Word. And your word says that you are a faithful God. And Lord, I pray over each and every person's life right now. I pray your faithfulness over that. Lord, I pray that as we go throughout our week, we would be reminded to turn towards you as we journey through it. That we would be reminded to open your Bible, read your word and see how perfect It is for us. God, I pray healing over anyone who is struggling right now. I pray safety over people. And Lord, I pray over the nation of Egypt, God. Lord, I ask that you would bless that nation. A nation of great faith, historic faith, Lord. Lord, that although it may seem that other religions or culture may have invaded your land. God, you set us up in a spacious place. You have armed us with strength for the battle. And Lord, those people are not the enemy. They are victims of the enemy. And Lord, we pray that those with faith in the nation of Egypt would spread that faith, that it would cause a fire to begin, a great forest, Lord, on fire with faith for you that souls will be won into your kingdom in the nation of Egypt, that we would take ground in the nation of Egypt, Lord, and we journey together as a church and pray with faith towards those people. Because God, you are the God of all nations, all people. And Lord, we thank you that you care enough to love us. And we worship you with everything we have.